Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and this week filling in for Mike Lockman is Roger Brown from the New Hampshire Football Report and the Union Leader. Uh, Roger, thanks for making the drive out here on a uh, kind of rainy, miserable day out there. Yep, no problem, Joe. Coming off the bench, replacing Mike. Yeah. Some some big shoes to fill. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. He might not get his job back now. <laughs> uh, we're recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. You can send us questions for an upcoming show by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, the show's available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. Uh, so I was thinking, um, you know, we could probably start, you know, with a a game that we were both at Friday night, uh, last Friday night, um, that was actually my first Mac Plaque experience. I'd never actually been to a, a Pinkerton Londonderry football game before. Um, that was kind of what, at least in terms of atmosphere and crowd and, and all that, uh, kind of what I, everyone had said it was. Um, you know, I almost got suffocated by the band on the sideline uh, pregame. I don't know where the hell they all came from. But I thought I was in the clear, and then next thing I know, I'm surrounded by like 30 tuba players who are trying to stretch and get limber. Um, that was that was interesting. I think uh, I told you I was headed to the restroom, and the band cut in front of me, and that was a long, painful wait. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of band a lot of, members. Yeah, a lot there. of band members from from Pinkerton to Londonderry. The atmosphere is good there because they ring the field. You know, it's not like they're all sitting up in yeah in the stands, and there's just people everywhere, and. Um, I remember going to a couple games back when uh, Tom Sawyer had Londonderry really rolling, and you know it was really a toss-up every year who was going to win, and it was very, very special atmosphere, you know. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a good night, you know. It wasn't, uh, I'm sure, uh, Londonderry wanted to perform better, but you know, um, still good, good fans support, and uh, can't really ask for much more of an atmosphere from a high school football game here in New Hampshire. Yeah, and I, and I don't think. You know, despite the score, um, you know, obviously a couple score game, and at times Pinkerton w dominated that game. But there were a couple of couple of key moments I thought that that you know if it if it swings the other way, um, you know that game's a little bit closer and it's more of a toss up. You know, the first being that uh, goal line stand that that Pinkerton made in the first half that then turned mm -hmm. into a 97 yard touchdown drive, um, which. I didn't even realize how close we were to the end of the half at yeah, that point. I mean, I looked up and saw it said 10 seconds on the clock. Yep. Stuck um, one in right before the break. Yeah, that was huge. And then the um, the stop that they made on Londonderry's second drive in the second half uh, that could have made it, what, a 21-14 uh, a game instead of 21-7. And then they scored off. Pinkerton scored off of that. Yeah, Londonderry, uh, um, well, they got off to the awful start in the first quarter, two turnovers on the first two possessions, so things weren't going their way. But I – and I wasn't really thinking that they were going to – there was much hope of a comeback at halftime, but when they scored, you know, to make it 21-7 coming right out of the – you know, right out of the gate in the third quarter, and they had all the momentum. They just needed something else to build on there, you know, uh, another TD like you said. Yeah. And we would have had a very interesting, you know, end of the third, fourth quarter, I'm sure, but – you know, they just couldn't get that second TD, and, and then, uh, you know, things went Pickerton's way after that. But, yeah, you know, it was good, it was a good game. Um, if they played again, you know, I would expect a closer game. Of course, um, it got skewered afterwards for picking Londonderry, <laughs> of course. <laughs> As I think might be might be expected just pretty much whenever you pick against, but, you uh, know, hey, against Pinkerton. Right, right. I mean, hey, 
you know, you just padding the record when you pink Pinkerton. You gotta you gotta go for the upset every once in a while. Yeah. 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 But uh, so I, I'm not. I guess my point was going to be I don't know that I would pick Londonderry, you know, a second time, but. Um, I would expect them to give them a better game to, if they to played again. Cover the spread, but not win out, win outright. Perhaps yeah, so. Yeah. Maybe I could go over two. You know, <laughs> if they play again. Um, you know, the thing that that I really wanted to see from that game is because you know, and again, we were both at Pinkerton the week before when they played Exeter, and you know, Exeter did a pretty good job of slowing Pinkerton down. Pinkerton had a couple good drives. Uh, I think in the first half, but all they got out of that was a field goal. You know, they scored off a couple big plays in the second half. Um, how would, you know, Londonderry's defense, would they be able to do the same thing? And Pinkerton just ran all over them. Yeah, and like Brian said, he, he you know, he came out running those counters and throwing the ball, and that was his game plan, you know, to, to, to beat them through the air. But once he started running it, they were just having their way, you know, picking up big chunks of yards and, you know, it didn't take a uh, genius to figure out that was that was the thing that you were going to continue with the rest of the game. But, um, yeah, I think probably Jimmy Lozon, that might be the thing he was most disappointed in was his run defense. He, matter of fact, he told me before the game that's what they had to do is play run defense, n- not just against Pinkerton, but that would be the key to their success the rest of the year. And just, just wasn't there. You know, Pinkerton was uh, just having their way with whatever they were running, you know, inside, outside, and, you know, we saw a little bit of Avery Battle, who hasn't played a lot in the backfield, but he's a bit of a blur when he's got the ball. Yeah. He's that, that's a fast kid right there. He's just going to be another problem for opponents the rest he, of the way. Uh, he gets to the next level faster than probably anybody. Uh, the, on, the only guy that might come close might be a uh, guy here in, in Nashua, uh, Joey Lupo over at BG, who um, I don't know if I've seen anybody that, that, that has that extra step. I mean, he, he will start – you know, even with somebody, I think, and then before you know it, he's five and then ten yards ahead of you. And it's not like Pinkerton's lacking backs, quality backs, no, no, you know, and no. this kid just, I mean, they probably have a problem deciding who to give the ball to, and he's just going to cause them more of an issue because well, he, they're going to have to give him the ball more. Yeah, I, he, I mean, he was on the field more because uh, Lombard was hurt. Right, uh, right. Didn't play. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, to think that, that a guy goes out and that's the guy that you, the next man up is. He, he looked like know. he would be the guy for a lot of programs yeah. in the state, you know. Uh, I saw him a little bit last year, and I knew he was explosive, but um, very impressed with him. You know, it wasn't like he carried it 20 times, but when he did carry it, good things happened for yeah. Pinkerton. Um, you know, the other, uh, you know, looking at that side of the uh, Division One. well, before we move on there, Pinkerton has another big game coming up this week against Salem, uh, you know, that's coming off a, a win over Timberlane. Um, you know, it seems like it's – gotten back in you know in line after that loss to Londonderry week two I mean what is that how much for for, trying to think of the right way to phrase this for Pinkerton now I mean that's back-to-back weeks of Exeter three in a row and Salem you know uh, not that they're I don't know I I, from what I've seen I don't wouldn't expect them to to slip up this week but you know three games in a row like that that's no easy task no, three very tough opponents. You know, the the Exeter game, you know, that's a physical toll. Nobody wants to play, or you want to play somebody the week after they played Exeter because they're usually beaten up, as Pinkerton was to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah. And then not to say that the London area game wasn't physical, but there's a lot of mental stuff going into that, you know, wearing you down with the rivalry and right. all that. Um, and, you know, 
if you're going to play Pickerton, I guess maybe this is the week that you might catch them. Um, just, just you know, coming off uh, you know a big win over their rival, and then again, you know, two physical games. But uh, and Salem's a physical team, so um, just just a tough stretch for Pickerton. But if they come through it, you know, kudos to them. Just yeah. more impressive what they've done this year. And then London Dairy, of course, they've got a team uh, playing a team Saturday that is also trying to bounce back from a, a really low-scoring game against Exeter. Uh, Wyndham, you know, goes out there and loses 10-6. And I think the six came kind of late, so it was a 10-0 game for for a little while. Um, you know, th- that game there, I mean, that potentially could be for a playoff spot, couldn't it? Wyndham and Londonderry? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I think Wyndham for sure. That, that'll be the third loss if they yeah. lose. Same thing with Exeter when it cut it. You know, they'll, right, that's, if Exeter that's loses, that's a third loss. Um, and that would pretty much, you know, tell you who's going to make the playoffs, I think, on that side if th- those, you know, games go that direction. But um, if either Wyndham or Exeter or both win, it's getting messy, you know. Yeah. It's, um, well, that's okay. We haven't really had that. <laughs> Last year was, was pretty much, I think, on both sides decided with a couple weeks left. And the year before, one side, I think, was – the exact same matchups two weeks in a row, and right. we already knew everything. Yeah, about that was a mess. Going, yeah, and I do root for Messi always. Oh yeah, you know, it's yeah. better. Um, but uh, that's that's that side is just uh, you know there's six teams I guess and just all physical. You know, a lot of them play the same brand of ball. They're not throwing it all over the place. Right. Spread teams. It's unlike the other side of the the division this year, which. You know, you got Bedford and Central, and both all, well, all three Nashua schools running spread offense. Merrimack, Goffstown, Concord are all. Who, whoever all makes it to teams. the championship game from that side is going to see an offense that they haven't seen before, probably. Yeah. You know, for whatever yeah. that's worth. Yeah. Um, I know there was some coaches talking about that early in the year. Like, you know, we're probably going to be, you know, if we do make it or whoever makes it, it's going to be playing a straight T or a wing T team or a Veer team or. Stuff you don't see on our side yeah, at which, all. Which is the same. Uh, 2015 was the same same grouping, same kind of matchup. You had, what, Bedford and Goffstown in one semifinal and Exeter and Pinkerton in the other side. Right. You know, one game probably took about an hour and a half, two hours to play, where the other game took probably closer to three. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Huft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that side has a couple of uh, – had a couple big games last week with with North going and beating Central on the road, Merrimack going and beating South on the road, and not just beating South, but but shutting them out for the first time in I don't think anyone knows how long that, that a, a Scott Knight Nashua South team hasn't scored. Um, we beat them in a scrimmage in 84, I know that. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, Merrimack's been the surprising team to me. We'll see how they finish up, but um, I didn't uh, – their record – I didn't expect it, I guess. And um, if they were going to beat South, I didn't expect that type of game. No, not, I haven't not seen South, but I would have expected more like 35-21 type of game rather than 14 nothing. I think South had, a, if I, I remember correctly from what I read, that they had a couple injuries in that game. Pacheco might have gotten hurt in that. Oh, it's a big um, loss, that's, obviously. Yeah, that's huge for them. Um, maybe they lost. I think they might have lost a guy or two on defense. Not that they gave up a ton. Um, you know, fourteen nothing is certainly. I mean, that that probably giving up only fourteen and and losing is probably as eye opening as not scoring. I yeah. think for for South. 
Yeah, I'm sure. It was um, – yeah, I just expect Merrimack, you know, they're known for their offense. And, um, you know, if they're going to win games, I you just figure they're going to outscore people most of the time. So I wasn't expecting that type of – low-scoring affair, I right, guess. And you look at what they've done this year. Um, you know, they had uh, they gave up 21 to Central, but that was in a game where I think they had, like, six turnovers. Yeah, that was almost an impressive you know, 21. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and then in their other th- other three games, I think they're giving up, you know, less than, than yeah, six, six and, and, and zero. So And the six was, uh, pretty sure it was an interception return for a TD. Against, against Goffstown, right? Uh, uh, Memorial is the one Memorial? I saw. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, Memorial, I'm pretty sure they inter- intercepted a pass and returned it, so it wasn't even on the defense that day for for a score. So, yeah, they're playing great. Kip's got them, you know, in good position, and, uh, you know, if they take care of business they're, as they should. Yeah, their they're schedule's in, favorable for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they should they should play a 10th game for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, that Central-Bedford um, game, you know, uh, that's probably – going to determine the winner, the champion in the other conference, you know, the, the North, um, especially if Bedford wins. I don't see anybody oh, catching yeah, them yeah, at that point. Yeah. Um, well, they'd be two games up on everybody at that point. Yeah, with the tiebreaker. Yeah. If Central wins, you know, they could win out. Um, although they do have Goffstown uh, the week after, I believe. So, um, But, it's, you know, it's a big game, you know. And, and if, conversely, if Central loses, uh, they'll be playing a Goffstown team that's probably coming off back-to-back victories because they have Memorial, right, Memorial this week. Is, yeah. So, yeah. Um, they have they, a little bit of momentum. In, in, in hindsight, looking at, at, at the way Goffstown started this season, you know, they, you know, get blown out by Bedford, um, play North kind of close for about a, a half, and then North start, you know, pulled away in the second half of that game, and then they get blown out by um, uh, Merrimack, or other way around Merrimack opened the season and Bedford was week three um you know in hindsight looking at that you're talking about them playing teams that are at this point a combined what like um 10 and 2 you know maybe <coughs> kind of and, and you know and they're a team that was replacing a lot on defense yeah a ton so, of defense. so maybe maybe makes a little bit more sense now that they started the season that way and that they were able to do what they did to Concord last week yeah the Merrimack win or lost to Merrimack, I should say, isn't as surprising now as it was at the time because Mer- Merrimack's better than I expected anyways. Um, but and, and, and North, I you know, people, I think some people jumped off their band, bandwagon after the Bedford loss, but that wasn't nearly as bad as it. I think no, you were there yeah, that night. Yeah. They moved the ball on Bedford, and, uh, you know, Bedford got a defensive touchdown late. I actually came away pretty impressed with North um, that night, even though it was a 24-point loss. It was it was it was it was a 17-7 game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the, the Bedford got like you said the <coughs> late defensive touchdown, and they had another one in the fourth quarter that they kind of made it look a little bit more lopsided and, and than it was. And the North, I remember we were there. With the the one kid was inches short of the goal line in the first half. Right. Yeah. And I think they drove. That well, there was an interception on their first drive, like. I think Toscano intercepted right, they the drove, pass. Yeah, so. they drove down in, inside the ten twice. Yeah, so in they the first half and got nothing. You know, they played pretty well, and I, you know, those are two good teams. I guess is what I'm saying. Better than people may have thought. So yeah. no shame in losing to either one. Um, yeah, this side of the division, I I kind of thought at the beginning of the year was going to be not necessarily wide open. You know, not that any of the ten teams had a chance, but you know that there was maybe seven or eight teams that could potentially get into the playoffs and end up moving on to the championship game. I don't think there's quite that many now. I'd maybe maybe no, cu- cut that number down to six, but it's still, I mean, 
any given day, it feels like anybody, you know, maybe with the exception of Bedford, anybody could could win. Yeah, we'll just have to, you know, this Central Bedford game will tell me a lot about uh, both teams, really, you know. Um, and, you know, if, if, if it's close, there's a good chance they might meet again. Uh, but, you know, North is North seems to have Central's number. You know, I remember a couple years ago, I can't remember exact year, but it was a, there was a game at Gill where uh, North really defensively put a lot of pressure on Central. Yeah, and, I think and I remember what you Gave them a hard yeah. time. So they might, you know, maybe whatever they do, that might be something other teams want to look at defensively. Um, but, you know, going into the year, I thought it was just going to be Central and Bedford, so I'm happy there's other teams in the mix now. Yeah. You know, um, you know moving on to uh, Division Two, we go from St. Thomas playing one of the games of the year again um, to playing what everybody maybe thought was the game of the year against Plymouth this week. Of course, last week coming off that 41-40 win over Milford that, you know, from, from checking scores on Twitter seemed like it was, um, you know, nonstop scoring, just going up and down the field on each other. Uh, you know, and that's their third win this year of, I think, less than a touchdown. Just, I mean, they, they're a very good team. It's just how do they – Finding a way somehow. Yeah, yeah. Is every is the rest of the division that close to them, or I mean, I haven't seen St. Thomas yet this year. I, I haven't either, and I, you know, people told me, um, you know, when Eric Kumba left, that you know they had one more good year, and then the talent was going to drop off. But that hasn't been the case no. at all. Um, you know, they even last year in the playoffs, they gave Plymouth a good game, good fight. So, um, not sure how they're doing it. You know, I haven't put eyes on them either, but they, you know, they got to experienced quarterback i know that that always helps and um you know losing bouchard i figured that's a tough kid to replace because he did so much for them um but you know they're they got a wide open offense and that'll be a challenge for plymouth i'm i'm sure and that game is at at uh in dover so yeah that's um that's big for them they haven't had too many of those yet this year actually had to make three trips out this way already this season well if you play Plymouth, you don't want to play them in Plymouth. That's no. for sure. You know, it just makes it that much tougher. So, um, but yeah, it looks like those two teams, Hanover, and then there's you know there seems to be a a group of teams um, just a notch below maybe that could come up and bite you on any given day, perhaps. I yeah, I haven't seen too much of D two other than you know the Jamboree. Got to see Milford and Sauhegan. Um, went out to Hollis Brookline a couple weeks ago. And I, you know, it was really impressed. It was against Conval, but was really impressed with just the number of kids that they have that contribute on that team. Of course, uh, Sander Wimmer was is kind of the the focal point at quarterback, but I mean, he looks as good as anybody in the state. And they've got a big one this weekend against Pelham. You know, a, a game that last year talk about surprise shutouts. Yeah, I was they, thinking. They, I remember <laughs> that when I was doing my picks this week or thinking about them. Pelham really dominated them defensively yeah, last year, yeah. if I remember correctly. And it shut them out last year. And, um, you know, I know that that's a game that, that, that the Cavaliers want to get back and and uh, kind of prove that that was maybe a bit of a fluke. And, you know, I, I, I thought at the beginning of the year that, that maybe this was going to be one of those games that, um, you know, maybe for the top of the divi- you know division so- or the South Conference. Um, but Pelham seems to be either, you know, just maybe off to a slow start or maybe not quite at the level they were a year ago. Um, you know, yeah, they're just uh, just a smidge behind what what you thought they might be. Um, but 
you know, they can play defense. You know, Tom knows how to coach defense over there for sure. And uh, I think that Hollis Brookline game last year, that started a shutout string. It was part of, yeah. Or part it was in the, the middle. String, yeah. Um, and that's what keeps them in games. And, you know, they were they were a much better second-half team last year, so we'll have to see what they have, you know, moving forward. But, um, you know, just looking at it, there's – I think if St. Thomas loses, there'll be no undefeated teams left in the south. But no, there's a lot of – there's a lot of teams I mean, that are. You've got Hollis at three and one. Alvarez at three and one. Milford's two. Milford and Sauhegan are both two and two. Uh, and I looked at it today, and all five of those teams, if you know, playoff start now kind of thing. All five are would be playoff teams because um, they've got better ratings than than teams from the north. Um, you know, and and I wonder if that's where, you know, if you look at the north, you've got you know, obviously Plymouth and Hanover and and Bow. And then you got that group in the middle, and then a bunch of winless teams after that. Whereas the everyone you, you mentioned, there's only one undefeated team left in the South. There's no winless teams in the South. Everybody's got to win, which bumps up your rating a little bit. Yeah, it it does seem like you're in more fights, fist fights in the South Conference. You know, um, more. There's, and speaking of that, there's just a lot of big games this weekend. You mentioned the big game, you know, Milford or the uh, Plymouth St. Thomas game, and Across the board, there's a, either rivalry games or meaningful games in terms of playoff positioning. Yeah. That was that's the one thing that stood out to me when I looked at the schedule this week. Um, just across yeah. all four divisions. Yeah, Milford Sauhegan this weekend. Um, I believe John Stark and Kennett is that that's a game. Yeah. Uh, what Friday night? Um, yeah, as you alluded, a bunch of the Division One games you mentioned: Exeter, Winnicott, North South, Salem Pinkerton, Salem Pinkerton, Londonderry Wyndham. Yeah, on and on. Um, you know. And even some of the other games, you know, I know Merrimack's got BG, which, you know, on paper maybe doesn't look like much, but those games are always kind of interesting just because, you know, those schools are rivals. Sure. Um, you know, it may not have any playoff implications, but Spalding-Dover is That's a rivalry. always a big game. Yeah. Um, you know, and I haven't looked at too much. At, I mean, what are some of the big games in D3? Uh, I got to remember who's week. in D three. <laughs> um, well, Campbell Trinity is the one that kinda, that stands yeah. out to me because Which Trinity, you know, had Monadnock on the ropes in the fourth quarter, right? Um, and that's a night game on Saturday. I think yeah, Campbell's, yes. Campbell's getting yep. lights. Yep. Um, so I mean, that's that's got to be the game of the week, and you know, Trinity's, you know, if you based on what they did against Monadnock, they seem to be in that upper crust, so to speak. Um, and we'll just see see if they can do it two weeks in a row, two weeks in a row if they belong with those other two because you know otherwise I think Campbell and um, Monadnock are the class. Although you can never count out Stevens, you no. know they're always throwing a wrench into things and they can always play defense. And they, I think they've allowed one TD this year. I mean they they've got their schedule has been kind of light to this point, um, and they've got another game against uh, Kearsarge that's you know winless winless team going in. Um, but then they really, I mean, then it's, you know, to the wall after that with Laconia, Lebanon, Trinity, and then uh, Hillsborough, Deering, Hopkinton. I was having a great year, too. Yeah. You know, and which, and they, they should be undefeated, really. You know, they got a one-point loss yeah, to yeah. Interlakes, I think. Who just who lost to Epic Newmarket this past week, which was kind of a, a, a head-scratcher to me. Yeah. Yeah, you look at you look at Interlakes' scores, and you wonder how Hillsborough, Deering did lose to them, you know? I believe they they had some injuries with that game. I think they lost the starting quarterback for for a stretch of that game. Um, I think yeah. it was I think it was a lot of penalties too. Yeah. I remember uh, Jay Wood telling me 
you know, they shot themselves uh, in the foot. And so. they, the, the Red Red Hawks, uh, this week have uh, Lebanon at yeah, Lebanon. Another good, is, yeah, another good, yeah, another good one. You know, like I said, if it's if it's not a rivalry game, it's it's a game with some meaning that um, you know, teams either need to win to jump into the race or can't afford to lose to you know, or for fear of falling out of the playoff race. So. Um, you know, the other thing that stands out in that division, just looking at it, is, you know, like you're looking at Summersworth and Newport, just what has happened there, you know? I mean, yeah. I know it's – it's uh, Summersworth particularly just can't score, you know? Um, and uh, 12, 12 points to, to this this point. Of course, I mean, then you also look at who they've played. That, yeah, they played, they, they, they probably too. played as tough a schedule as yeah. anybody could, both of, both you of know? those teams, yeah. yeah. Respectively, in, uh, in terms of – Across the state, really, they played the toughest teams in their division already. So um, it's just you know they've such a lot of tradition at Summersworth. You don't expect them to drop like this, yeah. you know, even on their bad years. You Same know, thing with Newport. W- the the thing with the the thing with this division, though, it, you know that that could, um, I you know I forget every time I kind of look at it to see where everybody is, is that it's a it's a twelve team division. Eight teams are getting into the playoffs. So not good. Been, not I, good. <laughs> I mean, well, it goes against the um, that seventy percent rule that, sure. that they put implemented a couple years ago. But you know, because of that, a team like Summersworth or a team like Newport that's already played, you know, the the iron of the schedule for the most part, you know, maybe they put together a couple wins and all of a sudden they're they're you know five and four, um, and get in, and then get beaten by forty, well, which yeah, they tried to avoid <laughs> by. Uh, Ch- changing things in the off season. Ch- so speak, speaking of, uh, I guess that brings us to Division Four. Um, yes, my favorite division. <laughs> uh, nothing against the teams. Oh no, absolutely nothing against the teams. Just you know, I think we've we've both talked about this at times. Is that you know what you want to you don't want to see blowouts. No one wants to watch that. No one wants to take part in that. But they're they happen. Sure. Um, how how far do you go in off in, in extending a, a hand to help out some of these these teams that you know for a lack of a nicer way to put it sometimes can't get out of their own way yeah they need to help themselves to a certain degree for sure um and i'll just go to a recent you know like look at conval situation they didn't have a coach right before the season started they hire a coach and they dismiss him three weeks in or four yeah. weeks in, yeah. you can't have that type of stuff and expect to be build a program. You know, yeah. you got to make solid hires, guys who know what they're doing, run the right offense. You know, the f- football program takes a lot of support, you know. And um, the other thing is, and, of course, you wind me up on this one, Joe. We'll be here <laughs> till Thursday. But um, we're, we're not on a time. <laughs> I mean, I guess until they close. But, you yeah. um, know. Why do you help the D4 teams – when you've got, you know, I can give you lots of examples. Memorial and D1, you know, they haven't won forever, mm-hmm. the state's longest losing streak. And it's not like they were coming off three good years before that, you yeah. know. Um, Pembroke, Kingswood, West, yeah, you know, they could easily be competing in D3 and have competitive games, you know. And like I wrote last week, I just think without getting into too much detail, we should have stuck with three and just rearranged them within three as best we could. It would have been easier to remove the top teams from last year's Division Three than, you know, create a whole other division. You lose a lot when you do that. I, I don't – I mean, 
the thing that, that, that gets me is, you know, they, the, they, they're doing everything by class, you know, a classification, uh, the, basing it off enrollment numbers. You know, but then you go and do things like that where, there, yeah, you add the Division Four for this year and you kind of split some teams up, maybe not entirely based on enrollment. You know, you move Alvern down to Division Two, despite the fact that there are other programs that have struggled more than them. Yeah, why know, do you do yeah, it for some but not, not across not the board, others. you know? So then if that's the case, if you're just going to move one team here, one team there, why not just go with, you know, you start with, with class or school size and then work it around that. I mean, you know. it wouldn't have taken a genius. Anybody who saw Campbell last year and looked at their roster to know that they were going to be good the next again two, this year. yeah, for two well, years. Same with same with Monadnock. Right, I mean, right. their their roster is small. Granted, they would have a tough time, you know, maybe in terms of depth, but they've been successful in D two yeah. in the past. That's they've been a yeah, playoff team. Yeah. They have a history of it, you know, yeah. and. Um, I, I just think, and, and people say, well, look at all the close games in D4 or whatever, but, like, these teams would have been playing each other anyway. So they they are, they've been playing yeah, each other. They're yeah. the, it's not like they're playing yeah. new opponents. They're playing yeah. teams that they would have played, the, you know. The other thing that I, I don't understand sometimes, too, and I know I talked about this with, with Mike last year here, was why is it different for football? Yep. Why is pe- why do people care so much when uh, there's a 50 nothing game in football but when there's a, you know, seventy-two to eighteen game in, in basketball, or a eight twenty-one to, one to in two, soccer. yeah, eight to one in soccer, twenty-one to two in lacrosse, or you know, thirty to five in baseball or softball, no one, you know, there, there's not cries for. It just gets the most media yeah. attention, the most attention, I guess. And um, I just wish they were a little more patient when they, you know, they, there's too much change. I know they're trying to make it good, but we just go around in circles, you know. And I think. You know, for the most part, um, I pick at them, of course. But when they had the three divisions, they they were doing a lot of things right, and and there was you know a lot of positive came out of that. Just just three divisions. Forget about who's playing where. And if they could have just tweaked it and kept that framework, again, you know, moving some of the teams I said down, Kingswood and Pembroke perhaps down, and Monadnock and Campbell up, it just seemed like a fairly easy fix i think a lot of times too it feels like you mentioned that and and someone almost reacts like it's going to be permanent like it's two years we can't put them in division one for it, yeah it's two years if, yeah. if things don't go you know if you if just things reevaluate work, you read yeah you move them back and i don't know i don't know like campbell maybe they don't want to move up but certainly they could and be fine you know they'd, they'd have no trouble competing same thing with Manad- i mean Manadnock beat a division one team last year albeit keen that struggled but still a div- division one yeah, opponent yeah Going up three, you know, two spots, well, I guess, that year. They they beat a Division One opponent five or six days after they lost the championship game. Right. I mean. Which is tough. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is, you know, to me it's not just about close scores. And I'm speaking about Division Four now. You, you want competitive games for sure, but you, what you really want, the big picture, is the p- programs to improve. Like yeah. ideally, I'm sure even the NHIA would tell you, We'd want those eight teams to improve to a point where we can go back to the third division or put them in the th- three, division three. So that's what we really need to focus on. Are they getting any better? Or are they just bad teams or struggling programs playing struggling programs? I guess would be a better way to put it. You know, yeah. um, you know, and you know, I mentioned this before. I help um, uh, organize that Yukika clinic, and you rarely, if ever, see any of those coaches that are at division four level now show up. That's just one thing that I noticed, but 
you know, if you're one and seven and zero and eight and struggling, I mean, I'd be out there doing everything I could to improve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think we've solved uh, solved enough of the world's problems yeah, for uh, well for one night. Uh, I don't know, any final thoughts uh, for this week? Uh, like we said, a lot of big rivalry games. Uh, any idea where you'll be? Uh, yeah, you'll I'm going to be at uh, Central Bedford Friday, um, and then I'm going out to to uh, Hampton to watch Exeter. Um, when it cut it on Saturday, that should be a bit of a tractor pull. I think. I think the defenses are going to dominate that one. Yeah. And um, you know, big one for Exeter. They they got to have it, and uh, it, you know that there, it's always a big one for them, regardless of the situation. They have no trouble getting up for that game. It's really, really one of the top games every year in the state. So uh, that atmosphere should be something very similar to what we saw in Londonderry last Friday. Yeah, you know, looking forward to that one. Yeah, I believe I will be at uh, North South on Friday. Um, kind of one that I always enjoy going to, just you know, being local and 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 from here, of course. You know, being so close to Stelos doesn't hurt either. Uh, I'm not quite sure about Saturday yet. I may maybe make the drive out there, maybe stay a little closer to home, but we'll find out. Uh, I'll f- I'll figure that out by by the by then. It should be a good week, like you know, with all the good games that we mentioned, and I think we're going to know a lot more about who fits where in the in the playoff picture. Although it's just midseason, I think it's going to you know a little more clarity will be uh, will be there for us at this time next week. Well, Roger, thanks again for uh, stopping in and, and chatting. Uh, sure, no problem. Roger Brown from the uh, Union Leader, New Hampshire Football Report. Uh, Mike will, uh, I guess, be back next week. I, I am assuming he will be. But uh, you, you want me to keep you on, uh, um, keep you on the line just I'm in, in the case, bullpen, uh, ready to come. Ready to go, get stay warmed up. Uh, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a call next Monday, and we can, ju- you can just get warmed up on the phone, kind of, uh, if need be. I'm ready whenever you need me, Joe. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, He's Roger Brown. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.